Theo, and I play keys in Vertal. Yeah, and I'm Ajit, and I play uh, drums in Vertal. Fantastic. Welcome along, boys. First of all, let's um, talk individually about your musical influences. Um, so where do you, who are your influences that made you want to play? Who are the ones that you saw or heard that may make you want to play piano or drums? Oh, man, got after you. Um, I think it was getting into Robert Glasper and his Black Radio projects. And then also definitely like Yusuf Kamal um, and sort of getting into the London kind of scene that was going on. Um, but also like some of the hip hop stuff um, drew me to sort of want to create the harmony that I was hearing. Um, and like before I was doing sort of maybe neo solely stuff and there are some similar tones going on, but moving into it kind of changed my perspective of sort of how to arrange and, and sort of look for feelings or on a find. And that was kind of drew me to the keys. So yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, I think for me, for me it was um, growing up like quite young listening to a lot of hip-hop music that I was surrounded with at home. Um, my dad's mad into hip-hop uh, and so are my uncles so growing up it was sort of surrounded with like Nas, Biggie and a lot of that 90s hip-hop stuff coming from the US so like I kind of really gravitated towards drums and that sort of boom bap sort of stuff and that kind of drew me to want to play drums at an early age but um, throughout sort of my playing in more recent years like the the bigger influences that really drive me to play are, are people like Chris Dave, who's doing a lot of work with Robert Glasper, um, Yusuf Days with the Yusuf Kamal project, um, Richard Spaven's another one. Um, and yeah, they've, they've really influenced me to want to play now and sort of shaping, I guess, the direction I'm taking in my sound. Yeah. So it sounds like you almost had the same influences, but separately. So is that what sort of drew you together as a band? Is that what was that what did that for you? Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. was the one met in a, a disco band that we both worked for. We got chatting and then yeah, stumbled across the fact that, you know, they're kind of niche artists too. Not everybody's kind of listening to that. And so like when I heard, you know, Dio listing off these names, I'm like, whoa, you yeah. listen to the same stuff. This is crazy. Everyone else thought I was a freak. <laughs> <laughs> but when you find another one, it's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> so when you say disco band, are you talking 70s disco or is it? Wow, really, like a disco band? Because that's completely removed from what you do, what you do now, isn't it? Yeah, but like I think for for me and Adjit, I feel it was the concept of groove and like um, how that actually stems into the you know the seventies jazz stuff that was going on with Herbie and like you know I'm not like an expert. I'm not mm. going to pretend, but like from you know. Like there's an amazing journey that is like definitely real deep pool going on and how like that is now in a reprise like now is everything from that era is kind of going on really and um, mm -hmm. I think it's really special but yeah the concept of groove was like I think where where it kind of started I guess. Do you feel that um, sampling is a big reason that's coming back now a lot of obviously a rap artists are sampling and do you think that's what's boosting the the sort of return? And then people are now crate digging and finding some fantastic stuff. I know myself being a vinyl man that all of a sudden all the disco stuff is really expensive. <laughs> Before you could get it for two p an album, and now you're paying eight ninety nine and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think also you know Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars just did a thing, and that's it's not really the same music that we play, but there's a lot of you know sound and every piece of of that project 
is like a massive throwback and i yeah i mean definitely in sampling that's that's like pushing pushing maybe the ability to, it's you know i hear like people are not just sampling but sampling live stuff in terms of replaying that same piece um you know with like jay diller tribute bands and stuff like that's kind of the way it's going especially with glasper too like um so yeah i think it's it's sampling is crazy because you know as i said like you've got taking a sample but then you could play the sample too and, and that kind of opens up a massive world i think yeah especially with um technology like ableton and stuff where you can sample on the fly and Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. yeah i see what you mean so if someone obviously you were saying you did a disco band if no one had heard your your music before how would you describe it now how would you if you know if an alien landed and said what do you do fellas can you describe it is there a way of describing that uh it's heavily groove influenced um with sort of takes from uh genres like hip-hop um jazz for sure is in there um Nah, this is a real hard one. Broken beat. Totally broken beat. Drum and bass, some of that electronic influence is definitely in there. Um, and it's it's a mashup of all that stuff, I guess. And right, yeah, it's, a, it's and kind of, yeah, it's a mashup of all these different influences coming together to create this, um, oh man, like, yeah. <laughs> Is this too hard for me to, to wrap up? Is it impossible? Yeah. Have I asked you an impossible question? Is that what I'm doing? <laughs> really tough, man. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> that is a very hard question. I, I suppose it's been like asking, like, what are you like as a person, isn't it? You, you, I suppose you don't know because yeah, you're on the inside look. <laughs> you're on the inside looking out. Um, how was obviously? We, unfortunately for us, at the time of this recording, we're just coming out of a second lockdown again. Did you find that a creative period for you, or was it a downtime period? Did you rest, or did you did you create? We kind of powered through it. I mean, we were on a tour, and the restrictions. It was a record store tour, so it wasn't too big, and the restrictions didn't get in the way too much. With a few cancellations. Um, but we were kind of flat out um, amongst other sort of music ventures we were doing at the time. Um, and now we're in a stage of sort of chilling and, and a bit of writing and stuff. And so it kind of worked out for us. Like yeah. um, the mm. second lockdown didn't hold us back in the same way the first one did. But then the first one was all right because we focused on making the vinyl yeah it kind of was lucky that you know the whole vinyl process kind of allowed us to to do something during that second lockdown which was kind of the the beginnings of why we ended up doing the, the vinyl yeah. anyway was because we were in this time and it was like how can we better this so it was yeah amazing actually that it gave us the opportunity to Mm. to make something of that time that could have potentially been yeah. us quite stuck. It was quite lucky, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a creative period for you, really, yeah. That's really nice. Time away from gigs and sort of that side of things on the first lockdown. Um, and, like, it was just a, a time to focus in on, like, building this, this big concept we had. I mean, it's not a concept album, but, like, we had an idea of all the things we wanted to have in there and like we managed to do it so yeah it's great that's great I've, i mean i first saw you guys live at creekside vinyl 
Um, I've got so I was walking past uh, and I saw the sign. It said you've played at two. I thought I love the shop. You always have some great stuff. I came in, I saw you guys, and you were just amazing for a little tiny shop. You filled it up, and the street. I don't know if you remember the street was full up as well. They were just everyone yeah. was hypnotized. It was it was absolutely magic. Um, so I was talking to you guys after, and you said that um, you sort of sort of have markers. You don't actually. It's not a structure as such for the songs. Is that right? And you kind of just play, and then you you go where it takes you. Is that is that was that right in that still? Yeah, for sure. The music um, is is very free flowing and in the moment, which is something that we find it's very really important to us in terms of uh, that kind of conversation and dialogue within the music between all the instrumentalists and the fact that the music isn't like you know we don't have any vocals, so um, to have that kind of interaction within between all the instruments, I find like really important, and it really happens in the moment, whether it be someone taking an idea from kind of the overlying idea of a song there's a particular moments within that that may pull us in different directions someone takes uh, a certain lick and and it go it takes us in a different way i might play a different groove that inspires mm -hmm. dio to take something else in a different direction so yeah that kind of the, the song is in the moment for sure which is yeah, yeah really also, it's it, when we were there. Uh, it started to rain. I don't know if you remember. Did the rain affect the the song as well? Do you, is it an environmental thing for you as well? Are you, you know, thinking yourself? You know, does it take it to a different place as well? If the environment's different, totally. If the mood the mood dictates the vibe of what what's going to come, you know, the music and everybody at, at the gigs and at the shows and and come and see us, they are as much a, a part of creating that music as we are. I like to think and. You know, if if people are vibing and there's a there's a high energy in the room, that's gonna definitely mm -hmm. drive me to play grooves in, you know, a, a more crazy way perhaps. And if the the vibes is more laid back, then you know, it's definitely catering to to what's happening in the room and being aware of that and, and applying that to the sound and, and the music we're trying to create. Yeah, I I, I kind of got the feeling when when the rain started to come, it seemed to just it shifted a little bit for what you were doing. I thought, oh, hey, that's really cool. <laughs> so, I'm totally into that. That's, that's amazing. Um, I'm going to talk about your album in a minute, if that's okay. But I just want to. I saw it online. You you played at Ronnie Scott's, which is obviously the home of British jazz, I suppose. What was that like for you as as players? Was it like is that the mecca for you guys? Is it incredible? Oh man, I, Ro <laughs> go on, go on, dude. I really enjoy it. Um, it's Cool. I there's a slight irony because like everyone who's played the piano and the roads there are, are like technically far better performers than me. That's I mean, not I, true. Come on, that's not like, true. It allows me to like be a free bird somehow, but then I always like break stuff there. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, I have fears about like the the roads there and stuff <laughs> but I love, I love it it's really you're close you know you're close to everyone it's very and like i guess there are two sides of that it's it's really cool to kind of be in the moment and sort of you know the, there's a incredible feedback and sometimes it's silent but like you you have this interaction with the audience that's really cool mm. um but then sometimes yeah, no, I mean, I have very opposite experience. You know, I we've we've been very fortunate to be at Ronnie's a couple of times, and every time I walk through those doors and into that room, and there's the red seats and the, the candles are lit, and there's an atmosphere and an energy in that room for sure. And 
I don't know, I find it personally quite overwhelming. Um, you, I see all these pictures on the walls of all the greats and I don't know, it's slightly intimidating because I know, I feel like we're quite young in, in the scene mm. and, you know, I look up to a lot of these players that have played in this space and it's incredible. It blows my mind that some of these people stood on that stage and I'm sitting behind this kit that, you know, some of my favourite players have played on and it's, yeah. I don't know, I try to channel that, but I, I get incredibly nervous when I play at Ronnie's every time. I, it's a massive mental thing when I go in that room and it, it gets me and I'm still working on it, but it's incredibly humbling and it's, mm. it's just amazing to be allowed to be, yeah, yeah, to create in that space. There's, yeah, do you, amazing. Do you kind of not want to play the instruments? You just want to look at them for an hour. Is it, is it that sort of thing? Where, <laughs> like I've been to Abbey Road a few times and, uh, you know, they just got all the keyboards around the wall being a Beatles man. And you just, you don't want to, you just want to stare at it. And it's just doing nothing. <laughs> is it the same sort of vibe? Yeah, there's totally a history and captured in that room, I think. And yeah, just staring at all that stuff and trying to take it all in is, is, is a lot of, uh, I nerd out all over that music stuff and you know drummers and mm. yeah it's it's amazing what a space or um a fantastic video of uh, ella fitzgerald down there um i think it was uh early 70s and uh not only was she singing amazing she's actually really funny i didn't realize what a funny lady she was <laughs> and uh, she's doing this whole thing with a bass player and she's going i've got this man he's going Rrr, and it just went on for like five minutes it's the funniest thing i've seen in ages <laughs> <laughs> big thick glasses uh, if you get a chance it's on the bbc um iplayer there's a documentary about ronnie scott's it's about an hour and a half and it's on that and it's it's a fantastic watch um yeah. if you haven't seen it check it out it's brilliant um you've just recorded your album as well uh like, like was it the start of last year or the end of last year uh or was it the year before yeah uh at the end of 2021 and then it was pressed and like released physically only on vinyl uh on in april i think 2021 last year yeah, yeah. So, so it's called paradigm shifting um yeah. so going back to talking about your live experiences obviously creating vinyl and recording it down is setting it in stone to a degree isn't it was it a freeing experience to do that or was it one of those things where you, you sort of it's a um a bit of sweet thing where you're setting it as a precedent but when you play it live you go off wild so because you're sort of creating a definitive version so is it hard to do that, if you see what I mean? Is it sort of, you know, bittersweet? I think we just don't see it as the definitive version. And when you cast that out, like, there's no problem there, you know? Like, because we, on the LP, we re-recorded, like, two tracks from our first EP, Spheric, which is, like, super old now and, like, was literally at the beginning of Adria and I meeting. So, like, quite far, maybe, from what we're doing now but then we took the the concept of that track and did it again and it's called carly instead of empty quarter but like it's the same it's the same concept of the track but mm. it's it contains all the kind of new additions and ideas that we've had from people along the way like Seb, our bass player and like who we had at the time sort of working with us luca giannassi on guitar and yeah i think when you when you throw away the concept of like that's what that song is then like you're kind of um you've got a lot more to offer because i mm -hmm. think especially for us a track isn't just like a sim it's like this concept and so like it's bigger than maybe what the song is once 
Like, yeah, what what I liked about your album, um, and you signed it for me very graciously, was I, I find your album is a bit like um, Kate Bush, you, where your album's an experience rather than tracks. So uh-huh. it, it kind of draws you in for 20 minutes each side, and then, you know, it's it, that's really lovely when you can get that way. And it does feel that way to me. It's an experience rather than a song or a track, or I, I just love it. I love the way it works that way. Uh, when you were planning out the songs for the album, was that a thought in mind to give it sort of a structure to give it a, a natural flow, if you see what I mean? Like a, like a set list, but on vinyl. Yeah, I think it was because we... We'd finished the first six tracks and we put that out dig- uh, on digital, I think mm. in 2019, so the kind of the year before. And then because of lockdown, we hadn't finished everything. And then we sort of started piecing together what it should have looked like. And from that point, we were designing it as such. And like, it was definitely that intention to like have each side kind of a color and a story and like a lot of it is from right at the beginning of, you know, as I said, like with Carly, and it's not necessarily chronological order, but it does encompass pretty much all that Vertal was from beginning to then. Um, and so it kind of ties it up for us, which was the kind of a good kind of intention, I think. You know. mm-hmm. Moving forward as musicians, is that a sort of transitional album in like you were just saying then it was you know an older version of you, yourselves is it a transitional album into the next phase of, of the band like are you going to look into singers eventually are you going to look into i don't know like classical instruments on the tracks things like that is it going to evolve in that sort of sense is that is it sort of a middle album if you see what i mean definitely i think it's gonna the next thing is definitely going to evolve from from this right now and mm. yeah yeah in terms of the sonics and as we grow, the music grows and yeah, I'm always still pu- trying to push myself in terms of my playing and, and what I'm listening to and where I'm taking influence <clears> and <throat> these new ideas, you know, that we're trying to bring up is definitely going to be a development from, from what it was before. And it's, it's kind of marking a, a time and um, a space in time. So yeah, I guess whatever's happening between now and, and the record, we're going to try and capture that within, mm. in, within what we do. I mean, listen to the album itself. Uh, you can hear your um, influences coming in because I was like, you could sample that bit. You could sample that bit. <laughs> you know, as soon as some American DJ gets your hands on that album, you guys never work again. You know, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be fine because <laughs> a lot of it is very breakbeaty, but it's not over breakbeat. It's wonderful. It's used in a beautiful way to complement the track rather than yourself just smashing the drums and going, "Here's a breakbeat." And I love the fact that it's it's gentle that way and it makes it a fantastic listen because it kind of moves, for me, it moves over into ambient slightly as well and then pulls itself back again. And I love that mix. So it almost evolves into many things like at once. And I think that's that's fantastic. When you guys are recording something like that, do you ever worry you're going a bit too ambient or a bit too jazz uh, or is there sort of just, we'll just mix it and see what happens? Yeah, I, I've always like had a soft spot for like weird trippy sounds, and like that's kind of what I do at home most evenings, <laughs> just making weird noises. <laughs> like, and so I was definitely fucking <laughs> like, oh my god, sorry. I'll bleep that, no problem. <laughs> it was um, definitely like I was really. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> um, really liberating to 
there were so many tracks in the projects and loads of different takes and all sorts. And so there was a lot of picking, but you know what should be there and what shouldn't, but also being able to play around with the you know resampling stuff and making sort of weird noises out of stuff. And I think there was definitely uh, a lot more we wanted to put on the record that we can't necessarily do live to mm. straightforward mm. um that wasn't lending to the show at that point um so there was a big sort of open door for that on the record which i i enjoyed is there a collaboration you're going to look for for the next album that you really anyone you really want to work with that's either you know mainstream or underground that you're after um i think Oh, that's a good question. Have we asked an impossible question again? Sorry, have I done it again? <laughs> no, we, we are, there are plans to bring some new heads in, um, um, but it's it's kind of, you know, still early days at the moment. Oh, okay. Uh, You're keeping it under your hat. That's fair enough. That, that's more than fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, so have you had quite a good response to the people you've reached out to at the moment? Are they, all, are they sort of get, reaching back to you? Yeah. yeah for sure. Oh, that's all right. That's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point in your career if um you could sort of say you guys just stop tomorrow and you had to say to people right you i want you to remember us for this one track which one would it be at the moment um yeah oh, yeah that's a nice choice um <laughs> I, yeah i guess for me i drop off you like jewels yeah. yeah fair okay for me it's drop off i think it really uh captures uh the energy between theo and i and it captures the energy um it was it was written about a space uh, mm. where we live um where the kids have built mud jumps over the years and we used to kind of mess around down there having campfires and riding up bikes when we were younger and it was a bit of a wrecking ground for sort of kids around here and so it was written and inspired by that and i think the song really captured that and it, yeah it's got an energy to it that uh, i think kind of sums up me and you and the vibe yeah, between sure. us but so then, uh, i want the students um because that does get more into sort of agit and i playing around in the studio and a um a few more things going on behind the scenes that you wouldn't get on a live show and i think like there's a yeah, side sure. of the band that you don't always see that is i feel like is really nice like <laughs> so would that be the track you recommend I mean, that one yeah let's go with that <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough so uh, at the moment what's next for you is it going to be more recording or is it more touring we've got a couple of dates in the diary uh we're playing um in bishop stortford in march which is our hometown which is going to be really good fun um and so yeah there's a couple other dates here we're doing 606 club as well in march which would be really nice uh so march and april there's a couple of dates but mainly we're focusing on on the next thing and the next record and and sort of pulling to our demos and ideas together and, and starting our writing process yeah and if people want to find out more about you whereabouts would they go to to get your music and to find out about the band and the tour dates uh you can find uh all our tour dates on our website at vertileofficial.com uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Vertile uh, Official. Um, and we're on Bandcamp as well, where you can cop the record uh, and our merch and bits and bobs like that. Fantastic. Um, I'll also yeah. have a link on the bottom of the interview for anyone else. That's a, I'll have a clickable link there for you as well. So if you're interested in seeing the band, just go to the bottom of the page and give them a click. 
and uh, you got to see these guys live. They're absolutely fantastic, and it will take you to a new sonic place you never knew you wanted to go to. Uh, lads, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thanks for uh, giving me some time and having a chat. It's been great. Uh, thank you no so worries. much for having thank us, you. man. Super appreciate it.